Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom, for she will protect you. Love her, and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing that you can do. Whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Father, we just come to you today. Thank you, Lord, that you have met us in this house. Thank you, God, that you have purpose for us being here today. Thank you, God, that you hear our prayers and our worship, that you see our struggles. Thank you, God, that you have wisdom to impart to us. Lord, open our eyes, open our ears. Holy Spirit, would you come and speak to us? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can grab a seat. Thank you. So what is it? What is wisdom? Proverbs 1, 7, and today's a great day. If you don't normally take uh, notes in church, today's a great day to take notes because I have an abnormally large amount of verses I'm going to be throwing out at you today. A lot of times we'll just stick with a section of scripture and break it down, but today I have a lot of references today as we break this down. So if you pull out your phone, go to Google Docs or EveryNote and just start a running tab. If you are even one step above that and you brought your physical Bible, it's good Good for you. Good job. You can grab that. There's a notepad. Pastor Dan, great job. The pastor brought his Bible. That's good. So you could do that, and you can write notes in there and just follow along with me. But the first one is Proverbs 1.7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Solomon, he's a skilled writer, and he gives us his thesis statement for the whole book of Proverbs right here in the very beginning. 1.7. If you have your Bible or you have your uh, Version Bible app, I would encourage you to go ahead and select that one and highlight it because that one verse, Proverbs 1-7, really is the theme or the verse that carries the rest of Proverbs, I believe. I believe that is the thesis. Everything else points back to this verse. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Here Solomon is starting to begin to open our eyes and define for us what is wisdom. You know what's really interesting about the story of the life of Solomon? A week ago, we broke down that what do you want? And Solomon meets God in this dream, and he asks God for wisdom. Solomon doesn't use the word wisdom. This is what he says. He says, I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. Here I am in the midst of your chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot uh, be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well. And know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? If you have your physical Bible, it would be great for you to underline and circle that word know and understand. Because those two words make up the definition to me of what wisdom is. It is knowledge and understanding. Instead of wisdom, Solomon is asking that I would know and understand how to, live, how to rule well. Would you help me to know right from wrong. Last week I told you that there's a lot of similarities, these things that if you look at the story of Solomon through the lens of the creation story, Adam and Eve, you can begin to see all these similarities of this, this is actually a redo, that humanity is getting a second chance at what we had in the very beginning. Because when you go back and look at Adam and Eve, what did they have the choice of? Two trees, tree of life and the tree of knowing good and evil. Have this choice. Will you trust the voice of God? Will you pass by 
attaining knowledge on your own? Will you pass by going out and grabbing it for yourself? Will you skip that and trust me and trust my tutelage? Will you trust me that I will teach you everything you know in due time? But Adam and Eve were wise in their own eyes, and they saw and they went and took what God said, do not touch. And so for us, we are knowing the difference between good and evil. Knowledge is this baseline, this core concept of what is wisdom, is to know the right thing and the wrong thing. Maybe you're somebody, maybe you in life have had times in your life where you just did not know what to do. I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know what college to go to. I don't know how to parent this particular moment or this particular child. I don't know where to go. That's been me a lot of times because I'm pretty directionally challenged. I, Amy, do I turn left or right? What is the GPS saying? Or maybe like me last week, I don't know what to order. And so you get a Reuben sandwich. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to go back and listen to last week. The idea of knowledge is one of Paul's strongest prayers over the new church. It's actually a prayer I've adopted from Paul when I pray for a church on the rock. He says in Ephesians 1.15, Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope which he has given to those he's called, his holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. So Paul's prayer is that the church would know God, that they would grow in their spiritual wisdom by knowing more and more God. Last week we talked about how a searcher of uh, seeking wisdom to apply in your life is really looking for more God to put in your life. I don't want just to know how to live life. I don't want to just know how to get a cheap burrito. I want God's will. I want more of godly wisdom in my life. I don't want to just know the practical, prudent thing to do. I want a supernatural thing of how to go about life, how to interact with things that I never felt prepared for. When you get to a moment where you don't know what to do, do I go left or do I go right? How do I parent this moment? Do I marry this person? Do I date this person? Do I take this job? Do I move? What is there for you to lean on to to say, how do I make this decision? And he goes back to the garden of saying, do you trust God or do, will you see, will you take, will you claim something even if it looks good, even if it's in opposition to what God's saying? When you begin to know God, you begin to know God's will and you begin to experience it more and more of your life. You know, in our culture, when we think of the word know, we think of it as an acquisition of information. We just get more thoughts. When you know something, it means that now you know it. You don't know what you don't know until you don't, until you don't know it. Until you do know it. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate it. I throw those out there to keep you interactive. That's why I mess up when I speak. That's a Chad saying. You don't know what you don't know until you know it. And that's what we think of a lot of times when we think of knowing is just this more and more information. But in the Hebrew Bible and, and how they would use it, it was not just a knowledge thing. It was an experiential thing. Knowing was also a word for intercourse. You would see Genesis 4.1, now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. This is why all the time I'm telling my wife, I love to get to know you. <laughs> like, biblically. 
And she says, I think we're well enough acquainted. <laughs> Why don't you go get to know the dishes? And <laughs> so husbands, you can try that next week and let me know how it goes. But last week we talked about when you pursue knowledge, it's, it's a pursuit of God in your life. And it's not just asking for more fun facts about God, not asking for more rules about God. You're asking that you begin to experience God more and more in your life. As you begin to know him, you begin to experience him and know him in a deeper way in a relationship. Not just know about him, but to really know him. There's these times where you can have a relationship with somebody and you know them or you know of them or you've heard things about them. But I've experienced this so many times with you guys. I, I see you from week, every single week, and we talk and we see each other, but then we go and we sit down and we have coffee. And I go from knowing about you to knowing you. When we sit down in a way where we can sit and talk and eat and really share and go back and forth, I don't know, just have information about you. I begin to really experience and know who you are. Which is why I believe that the Bible uses this word, that Adam knew his wife. He began to know her better and better in every aspect, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And the same foundation is for us is that we begin to know God and experience God in our life. But wisdom is not just information. Wisdom is godly knowledge lived at the right time. And so we have this second part of not just knowing, but also understanding. Solomon says, help me to know right from wrong. Help me to have understanding on how to lead. Because wisdom is not just knowing the right thing to do. It's also doing the right thing. Proverbs 8.12 says, I, wisdom, I live together with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment or understanding. Many times, and I don't know about you guys, um, we'll go to the grocery store, we'll buy a bunch of groceries for the week, we'll come home, and uh, we shop at Aldi most often, and I love Aldi. Um, I, I have a whole drawer of quarters that I use just for Aldi. I bring my own bag, I mean, uh, I, like, I love Aldi. But Aldi has cheapo bags, man. They are not good bags. And so I'll get home and I'll have all these bags, and I know that I should make two or three trips. But I'm a man, and I now shall not be belittled by my groceries, and I will assert authority and domination over the world. And so I load up all those groceries in one trip, and you know what happens? Inevitably, one of them rips. I have to go hold the door, or if something spills out on the floor, but I do make it in one trip. Amen, Nate Coleman. Praise God. Sixth grader. We're on the same page today. Look at us. TikTok, and this is great. Okay, so... There's a big difference between just knowing what to do, but at, when you don't do it, you're considered a fool. We're not just in it to gain more knowledge. We want to gain knowledge and understanding. We want to know the right thing to do and then have understanding or discernment of when to apply that knowledge to real life. Amen? Wisdom is when you put truth into action. You know, there's all these hidden rules about golf etiquette. And they're in there. Nobody really tells you. You don't drive the golf cart onto the green. That's where you putt. You rake your, your, your marks out of the sand trap behind you. You don't stand behind somebody when they're swinging their drive. You don't stand in front of them when they're putting. You yell four when you hit the ball and it goes towards somebody else and it's going to hit them. And you know how I know all of these things? 
Because I did all of these things. I have done every single one of these things. And I didn't know it until I did that and I drove the golf cart too close and I smacked the sand and walked away or I just hit the ball and see it going towards that person I just see. I wonder if this is going to be the moment I kill somebody and I didn't even warn them. But then somebody told me, hey, you really are supposed to uh, see that sign there that says no golf cart not drive over that. You're supposed to go to the right. And hey, you're actually supposed to stand over here. And hey, if you, you know, get that close to somebody, you should just yell for, you know. And so I didn't know that until I knew it. But then once I knew it, I would be a fool not to apply that knowledge. If I were to go back to the golf course and completely ignore all the etiquette, I would be asked to leave the golf course. If I kept applying that kind of rude behavior, the people I would go golfing with would not want to go golfing with me because I'm not applying the knowledge I have. So it's not enough just to get to know God. It's not enough to know about the Bible. It's not enough to know the things that you need to know for wisdom. You must have an understanding and discerning heart of when to put the truth into action. Amen? Wisdom is knowing what to do and doing what you know. Wisdom is godly knowledge lived out at the right time. And you'll see this in Proverbs is that that Proverbs is, is primarily practical. When it speaks about wisdom, it's primary, primarily practical. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord grants wisdom from his, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. The Proverbs are filled with all of these wise little sayings that if you do these common sense things, you will inevitably have a better life. Work hard, don't be lazy, and you'll have food uh, in the wintertime. Stay away from drunkenness, laziness, and gluttony, and you'll be more healthy. Don't do, do good things instead of bad things, and you'll have a good life. Uh, Warren Wearsby, he says, Wisdom isn't some abstract treasure that's so far away we can't grasp it. Through his word and by his spirit, God every day is calling us to the life of wisdom. Wisdom and folly each want to control our lives, and we must make the choice. Proverbs is primarily practical, and it's secondarily theological. Because you'll see things in the Proverbs where somebody does the things, it says, do this and you'll have a good long life. And then you have good Christians faithful to die early. You'll see evil people do evil things and there's a promise of destruction on them. But then they have a prosperous life by all factors that you can track. And so... On top of all of this, you get the Proverbs are these short sent statements. It's been said this way, a short statement based on a long experience. It's a common sense thing. If you, if you do this, if you work hard, you'll have money when times are tight. If you apply a good work ethic, you'll, you'll, you'll get along with your boss. If you, and it talks about all of these different things. And so it makes sense is that wisdom is knowledge. It's knowing when to do it. And it just makes sense that if you do this, you'll have a better life. Amen? Amen. And so Solomon gets to a point right after he has this exchange with God. We're in chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 3. And so he has this exchange with God, and it says this. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant, where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he invited his officials to a great banquet. 
And so Solomon has this experience with God. But how many people have ever had an experience with God? You have it here at the altar. God speaks to you during worship. Somebody comes up to you and just blesses you. Somebody comes up to you and gives you a word. And you have this vivid uh, just experience where you know that God has spoken to you, interacted with you. You've interacted with God. But then you leave that moment. You go back to everyday life and begin to think, was that really God? Did I just eat some bad Chipotle? Like, is there, was, I just, was I just like something out of my mind? Was something happening? And so Solomon goes back to normal life. And then something happens. He has, an, he has a trial. He has a really sticky, hard situation. And we're not going to read it today, but from verses 16 to 28, there's this exchange where two women come to Solomon. And they say, we need a judge. We need you to rule between us. And there's this boy, and they each were trying to claim the son as their own. One was lying, one speaking the truth. But in a time where he did not have forensics, when a time we would not be able to go in and test DNA, how would one be able to judge? And so again, I'm not going to read the story. This is just a teaser. Go read it on your own. But through, you see that Solomon has understanding and knowledge and common sense all laid out, and he leads forward with this. And because of how he leads and how he speaks into the situation, everybody around him can tell God has blessed this man with wisdom. There are going to be things in your life where maybe you just question, was that really God? Was, did I really have that experience? Is that, am I supposed to do this, but that doesn't really make sense. It's, it goes against uh, culture. It goes against what I would commonly do. Trust it. Obey it. And there's a faith-building aspect of when you step out in faith and say, God, you told me to do this. I'm questioning whether this is the right thing, but I'm going to do it. And God meets you, and he confirms it, and your faith is built, and wisdom is established into your life. And so knowledge, wisdom is not just knowing things. It's not just doing things. It's applying God's will or godly wisdom, godly knowledge, and putting that truth into action in your lives. Every day, you're going to have an opportunity to go and see two trees, tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Every day, you're going to have an opportunity to say, I see this, and it looks good, at least profitable, something that I want, but do I trust God? Every single day, you'll have an opportunity to put wisdom into your life, and it's going to come down to this thing of, do I trust that God is good? Do I trust that God is honest? Do I trust that God is speaking truth to me? Do I trust that God's way really is the best way? And then you apply understanding and faith and all of those things to see it come through. And so I think we have a pretty good definition right now of what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing what to do and doing what you know to do. Wisdom is godly knowledge lived out at the right time. I told you today we're going to do two things. One was to define wisdom, and what's the other one? Oh, good. (laughs) We're going to define what wisdom is, and we're going to figure out how to get it. So what are we going to do today? We're going to define wisdom, and we're going to? Good job. Amen? Thank you. So how do we get this godly wisdom now that we're going to do it? And again, if you're taking notes today, I'm going to throw out a lot, and we're not going to spend a lot of time laboriously going through it. So if you're taking notes, this is a good day to take notes. If you haven't yet, great time to start. There's still opportunity. And so how do we get this wisdom? And the very first thing is that you must search for it. 
Proverbs chapter 2, 2 through 4, it says, Tune your ears to wisdom. Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. The very first way to figure out wisdom and to attain wisdom, godly wisdom into your life, is that you must desire it and search for it. How many have ever lost something valuable, your phone or your wallet or something like that? Only two people in the room. You guys are an incredible good stewards of your things that God has given you. Amen. I lost stuff so much that I started putting everywhere in hidden spots. Any place that I would go, work or my cars or home, I just started hiding keys everywhere. Anybody could have access into my home if you flip over a couple of rocks. Because I lost stuff so often. There was a time where I lost my wallet and for months and I could not find it anywhere. I finally went and had to get my new ID and license and everything. And as soon as my ID came in the mail, I went downstairs and my wallet tumbled out of one of my boots. I have no idea how I got there. But you must search for it. You must desire it. That same fervency that you feel when you've lost something and you must know where it is. That's the idea here is that it is more valuable to you than silver. It is more valuable to you than a good name. It is more valuable to you than good health. Godly wisdom in your life is the most valuable thing you could pursue. And so he's saying pursue this, desire it, seek after it. Anybody, uh, anybody cruise Facebook Marketplace? A couple of, yes, God's blessed and chosen people in this room. If they could just make Facebook Marketplace its own app and I could delete Facebook, that is the American dream for me. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm believing it this year, 2023, they're going to do it. And so if you've ever done that and you're looking for something on Facebook Marketplace, you set a reminder, you set a ding, you search in other areas, widen your search, and you keep going day after day if you're looking for something particular. I'm looking for a cheap vacuum until Good Friday rolls around. I'm going to find a shark or a Dyson or whatever. And you keep looking, keep looking, keep looking. And wisdom is this pursuit and this desire that you keep looking, keep searching. You read books, you pray, you ask God, you bring in wise uh, counselors into your life. You fast, you spend time with God, searching and sifting and saying, God, show me your will. Give me your wisdom. Help me to experience you. I want more and more of you in my life. And so the very first thing you must do is that you must desire it, and you must search after it. Sometimes we want godly wisdom in our lives, but we don't actually want it. We just say, God, would you show me your will, and then we do what we want. Sometimes we pray prayers where we've already determined what God's going to say in that prayer. And so when you go to God, and you're going to find a little bit later where we must ask with a sincere and loyal heart, God loves you. He is going to give you. Do not think that God wants to give you your best life. Do not think that God has purposed you and designed you and given you everything that you need to live a good life. But what's the attitude that you're approaching him and asking him? Are you asking him with an open, loyal heart that's saying, Lord, I want your will. My will be put to the side. Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. You must search for it, you must desire it, you must want it above everything else. Number two is simply just asking for it. We want it, we desire it, and now God simply says, ask for it. James chapter one says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Have you ever gone and grown up, you knew that if you asked 
your parents, they're going to rebuke you. But you're going to ask for a cookie or a piece of gum or to stay up late or to watch another TV show again because it was worth it. You're like, I don't care. I'm just going to ask. Sometimes my kids ask me for things. I'm like, you know that I'm just going to say no. Like you've already know, but you're just going to ask me again. And so they ask, and they're like, I just know he's going to say no. And sometimes I say yes, and they're like, wait, what? You said yes, I can watch another show? This is the best day in the world. Noble will actually say that. He'll say, this is the best day ever. And it's like we said, you could watch one more episode of PBS or whatever. It's like, okay, I need to, I don't know. And so sometimes we come to God, and maybe you think, I'm going to ask, but he's not really going to speak to me. God doesn't speak to me. I'm going to ask, and it's there, but he's a hoarder. He's not going to actually give it to me. But God's a good God. God's a good father. God is, he, he loves you. He wants you to live the best life that you can have. And so he's just waiting for you to ask for more of him in your life. And so he says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking, but when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is, a, is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that's blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. And so that's why when we come to God, we, we, we want it, we desire, and we say, Lord, would you speak? Lord, would you lead me? Lord, would you give me wisdom? But church, we have to come to him with an undivided heart. We do come to him with presuppositions. We do not come with him already deciding. We're just looking for somebody to confirm it. There was once, um, Amy hates it when I tell dating st stories other than her. So Amy, you can leave if you want to at this point. I'll give you opportunity. There's this one time when I was just outside of my, uh, just outside of high school as a girl I, I really liked, and, and I'd liked her for a long time, and I, and I wanted to date her, and for about a year, we just kept getting this no, 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 from, so I was saying no, like counselors and people around me, not good timing. Finally, one time, I decided, you know what, we're spiritually mature, God has answered all of these things, I believe this is God's will, and so I, even to prove it, I'm going to go to every staff member at my Bible college that knows me as a mentor and ask them, can I date this person? Uh, this is why I think we should. God, I think, is confirming this. Okay, sounds like you know, yes. Again and again and again, about six, seven, eight people. I get to the last person, and he says, okay, sounds good, go do what you want. Have you asked my wife, Melody? I said, no, I've not asked Melody. Why did you not ask Melody? Because I know that Melody will tell me no. <laughs> so I asked every single person that I knew would tell me yes. And then in the moment where he said that, I went to her and I said, Melody, here's all the things. And Melody said, no. And I knew that she was speaking from the Lord in that moment. And I'm so thankful that he did because he had Amy on the, ready to go on the hopper a couple months later. You know, I'm so glad. Thank you, God. I'd like to get to know you. Let's go out. <laughs> but are you coming to the Lord with an unloyal heart? What James is saying is that is a person that is unstable, untrustworthy. And so God wants to give you. He wants to bless you. He wants to unleash all of these things, all of his presence into your life, but we come to him with a pure heart. 
And you can even come to him and say, Lord, I, I, I am battling right now. I am struggling. I, I want to come to you with this, but I, I am still just, I, I, I want this more. God will respect that type of honesty. He will respect right where you're at. You can say, Lord, I, I want to love you. I want to come with you in purity and open heart, but right now I'm struggling. Would you meet me in this moment? Would you begin to curb my desire towards you? Would you begin to help me to want and desire what you want for my life? Would you help me to come into alignment with your will because right now I'm really struggling? And the Lord will meet you in that, amen? Amen. Will we become wise in our eyes or will we trust God's timing? I want to with just this last story really quick um, before we just go to ministry time. Last summer, uh, we studied and followed the story of Abraham. And so Abraham, in many ways, was Adam and Eve lived over again. God picks one man, and through one man's line, he's going to bless the whole world. And so the story of Abraham is a story of one man's faith developing over the course of his whole lifetime. And so you see God calling him out into the unknown. You see God meeting him, God, God working with him, God saying... I'm going to do this, but do you trust me? Do you believe me? One of those things, those blessings was God said, uh, you're going to have countless descendants. The numbers are going to be as vast as the seashore. It's many, you can't even count them like the stars. The problem was is that Abraham and Sarah were barren. They could not have children. And they were getting old, past the time of when, God, of when you'd be naturally able to have a child. And so Sarah looked and she saw her servant. And so Sarah takes what's good and she says, Abram, sleep with my servant and maybe this is the way the Lord will bless us. And Abram says, your will be done, wife. I'll do that. And because of that, immediately there's abuse, there's relational fallout, there is frustration. There is lasting en- enmity between these generations. But even in that, God comes and redeems the moment. Fast forward years later, and God miraculously brings a child between Sarah and Abraham. And they have a child named Isaac. And so one day when Isaac's still a young boy, a young man, God calls Abraham and he says, Abraham, come. I want you to sacrifice Isaac. I want you to put him on an altar. I want you to give him back to me. Abram has already come up to this before. He, he said, Lord, I, I thought you were going to give all these things to me. And they saw and they took and they chose to go what was wise in their own eyes. And God here in this moment is saying, now I've given you what I promised. Do you trust me? Do you believe that I am who I am? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't even make sense to us that God would even ask that. It's offensive to our thoughts and who we know of God. Why could God even test somebody this way? Yet he does. And he brings Abram all the way up. He straps Isaac down. And up to the very last moment, he has this question. Do you trust me? Will you see and will you take? Will you be wise in your own eyes? Will you believe that I am God? Every day we have the same choice, friends. Wisdom is knowledge lived out at the right time. It's as simple as asking God, but we must come in faith when we ask. 
So at the last moment, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Abram, don't do it. You have proven that you trust God. And there, right there, God provides a sacrifice. And he sees a, a, a ram caught in the trees and he takes it and he lays it out. And he worships God. So godly wisdom is different than secular logical sense, friends. Sometimes it will go in the face, I, I want you to move here. But Lord, that makes no sense. I want you to take this job, but it, it makes less money and the benefits aren't as good. I want you to homeschool your kids or put your kids in this school. God, that doesn't make any sense. Every day you have an opportunity to trust God. Every day you have a, a generous father that wants to pour out his blessings to let you know him more and more. It's your choice. Amen.